0: Joey Everybody, welcome back to the Business Growth Advantage. My guest today, Jeff West. I'm just going to say one of the most impressive people that I've gotten to know over the past few months. We're going to be talking a lot today about a great man named Bob Berg, because it's really his universe that connected us. But I'm in one of his programs, was seeing Jeff do great things, hearing multiple people talk up Jeff. And it's just a real treat for him to be with all of us today, share his biggest golden nuggets. Jeff is one of those professional jack of all trade human beings. He's a bestselling author. He's a, you have how many years of sales experience, Jeff?
1: it makes me old, but I've had 32, I think.
0: You wear it well, Jeff. (laughs) You're very kind. (laughs) He's a coach now for salespeople or for entrepreneurs who need to get better or want to get better at sales. Jeff, we've got a lot of different avenues we can go down today in terms of golden nuggets that you can drop. But let's start with this great framework that you've put together over the years we'll, we'll get into what it is and then we'll, we'll get into the backstory of how it happened but the the fusion points of science persistence
1: joy this is something that has just meant so much to me over the years in all of my years in a sales career i always had this question You could put two people out in sales. I I was actually a state sales manager for a Fortune 500 insurance company in the Texas Gulf Coast area. And you could take two people who looked great on paper. I mean, they were sharp, well-dressed, look at their resumes, leadership skills, just should have been great in sales. And you put them both out in the field. And what would happen is sometimes one of them would make it and the other one wouldn't. And it made no sense to me. It makes no sense to most sales managers. And so uh, when I ended up leaving that industry and going out speaking and and doing the things I do now, one of the things that I began to do is research. Why does that happen? And I came across some some interesting research by Dr. Antonio Damasio. He's actually a professor of neuroscience. We're not talking about psychology. We're really talking about the chemistry of your brain at the University of USC. And then also he's an adjunct professor at the Salk Institute. And Dr. Damasio, he has a book called The Descartes Error. And he d- details a study that he did where he had subjects that basically the different parts of the brain that control emotion and then control logic. Now that, those are centered in two different areas of your brain, but in this group, there was a disconnect in there. And those two areas of the brain couldn't communicate with each other. The wires had been snipped for whatever reason. And in his study, what he found out it was these people cannot, could not make decisions. They could lay out, okay, if I do that, this is going to happen. They understood the logic. They understood the context. But when it came down to actually making the decisions, they were not able to do it. And what he postulated from that was that all decisions are made with a combination of logic and emotion. There's no exception. And I always like to be one of those people that I thought, I only make logical decisions. Well, my family could tell you that's not always the case. And so what he the, what he found out was you couldn't do that. It was always a combination. And then what he found out was that your positive emotions and your negative emotions, they affect your decision process in two different ways. Any emotion that you have, what will also happen in your body is there's going to be a somatic marker created and, and you're going to have a physiological feeling. Uh, it can be great or it can be bad. You know, if you have a positive emotion going on, uh, love, joy, connection with your friends, family. There's a feeling inside you that's warm and it's something you enjoy, and you. That feeling in your body makes you want to continue that activity. And by the same token, the opposite side of that's true as well. If something negative is going on, you're afraid. You're, you're it's fear. It's uh, that fight syndrome. There's a somatic marker created there, but it's not a feeling that you like. It's it's an uncomfortable feeling in your body, and that affects you, makes you never want to do that activity again. And so as I was reading this research and I said, okay, how can we apply that in growing our businesses as an entrepreneur or as a salesperson? How can we apply that? And what I determined was I branded it called Fusion Points, engage in the science of persistence. What I did was I built a model of how to grow a business, how to how to grow your sales team, how to, how to grow a sales career that's based on let's create multiple points where that Emotion, Positive emotion and the logic are connecting because that's the kind of thing that the person wants to take on to the next step. And so the branding of fusion points, that's that moment in time when logic and positive emotion merge and ignite. And it creates acceleration in a career, it creates longevity, it creates tenacity. It's how I went from a struggling salesperson that, that literally when I got uh, started in my career with that insurance company, I was living inside a mobile home where the floor practically was falling out in many places. And then I went on to be, build a multi-million dollar career and, and do some great things because I, I was able, not because of my own efforts, I was always with a great team, don't get me wrong. But I was able to hang in there because I created an extremely strong fusion point for me, where my positive emotions and my logic were were combined. In my case, it was my daughters. You know, I carried pictures around of my daughters. Of course, this is a long time ago, back in my daytimer. Now I have them on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> they they were nine and five at the time, and I carried pictures around with them in my daytimer. And every time that day was tougher, I wasn't getting the results I wanted to get. You had that negative emotion combining with logic because I knew I needed to make my calls. So that was there. And how I stacked the deck in the other directions. I just kept looking at them because I wasn't making calls for me. I was making calls so I could take care of my baby girls.
0: Yeah. And so Jeff, I I love this. And there's a couple of just follow-up questions that I have around this. Sure. Um, I, I think it's it's such a powerful either reminder or a discovery to be thinking about to use your words that fusion point of emotion and logic Mm -hmm. going back to what you said about that study where you line up some salespeople who deliver great results and some who look the same on paper who don't in terms of that fusion point of combining emotion and logic is it that going again going back to you and and you you said those pictures of, of your daughters that you keep is it you as a salesperson Self-identifying with those warm, positive emotions before you go out and you perform as a salesperson, or is it thinking about how you can communicate with others in a way that combines emotion and logic for them, or both?
1: It's really both, but it depends on where you are and what role you're in at the time. Mm -hmm. At this point in my career, I was self-employed. I was uh, an entrepreneur. I was in the insurance industry. I had no safety net and it was about me being able to create that fusion point although the term wasn't out then but that fusion point inside of me so that i had the tenacity to stick it out and you know a lot of entrepreneurs i'm sure this happens in every industry it happens with attorneys i'm sure especially those that are getting started on their own and they're thinking well should i go work for a a bigger firm or do i want to keep doing what i'm doing because i feel like this is a better way for me to go there are days when it stinks (laughs) <laughs> you just have to find some way that you'll stay in the game long enough that you can become successful. So that's part of it. The other part is when you're actually uh, growing your business and you're actually trying to attract clients, because what I teach when I'm coaching salespeople or entrepreneurs is you, you want to start this process because when you create the fusion points with a prospect or your uh, what's going to happen is, they're going to want to take that next step with you because they're starting to know you like you and trust you and as i teach and you know i you you start that process before you ever ask for anything if you do that Mm. what happens is you start to create those points where they feel connected to you and they have a positive experience about that so when you say hey why don't we get together for 15 minutes for kind of an initial consultation let's take a preliminary free look to see if you this is the right fit for you then they're saying, I already like you. I already like Joey. I know he's going, he's already doing this for me, Well, yeah, I'll I'll visit with you may or may not be what I need, but I want to go the next step with you. So you, you start building your entire business model that way. And then it even rolls into your team as a leader of a small business or even a large business or a sales organization. Much of your success is dependent on how your key people answer one question, whether it's your clients, your customers, your, your team on your there. It's, it's, When it comes to their relationship with you, will they persist or will they quit? That question, how they answer that is going to determine whether they do business with you, whether they stay with you or you're always having turnover that makes it where you can't service your clients very well. It's how they answer that. So once you kind of get that concept, that's the whole point of creating the fusion. points, and Because the fusion keeps everything together. When, When two things, when fusion actually occurs, you just about can't break that bond. When collision occurs and because it's a negative emotion and the logic, well, they're just going to bounce away from each other. But if you can create that fusion in your business model with everything in the, in the client process and from attracting them in the first place to servicing them later and everything with your team so that they want to stay with you because they like the experience of working with you and logically they're making a living so they're happy with that then your business has no limit, except you can choose how big you want it to be. You can, I'm pretty selective about what I do. So you can choose that. Oh. I still, I got a Facebook post the other day from a, a lady and uh, I, I'm living vicariously through her and her husband because they they've done well. And now they're down on a, a catamaran in the British Virgin islands. And he's, he learned how to be the captain and she's the first mate. So they're taking people on tours down there.
0: Oh, she, cool.
1: she sent me a, a Facebook post the other day and she was just saying, I really miss him because I would always with my people and they didn't work for me. They worked for themselves, but boy, every time they had a great week, I was the first one congratulating them about it. I don't care how many of them I had. I would send cards that let them know, Hey, you did a great job. I am so proud of you. Here's your numbers for the week or I would send them birthday cards or I just made the effort to let them know, Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. You're doing great at it. And they were helping me feed my family when they did it. So I just wanted them to know how genuinely I appreciated what they did. And they, that, there's people today, they get the gentleman who's a great guy that's in doing that position, basically in the Houston area now. He was telling me, he said, you've been gone almost eight years because we had this conversation last year. He said, your people still love you.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
1: It's, 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 it's that fusion. I didn't know, I didn't brand it that early and I didn't know exactly what was causing it, but I had been around some good mentors that built their teams that way. And I just duplicated the effort.
0: Oh, I, I love it. And, and now I see why it's called the science of persistence.
1: Exactly. Because people that that create fusion points will continue to do what they're doing because logically it makes sense. It makes them feel good for doing it. Everybody wins.
0: Yeah. And I think it, it's also just a such a powerful reminder for us as entrepreneurs, business owners or even just salespeople. When we spend so much time working on a business offer to help people right. and figuring out all of the back end things to make it work, it can get really easy, even if we are a more emotional person, right. to get caught up in the logic of it all right. and, and why people need it and should buy it. I know that you've talked to to crowds of I think you said eight hundreds of people. I think that's probably the biggest um, one I have and you you help clients in your experience when you work with people who need to get better at these fusion points where there's room for improvement and combining emotion and logic are, are there a few kind of common examples of what room for improvement looks like there sure the biggest
1: thing that i would have probably been guilty of had i not seen it demonstrated differently just kind of duplicated that is thinking that the logical component of anything is enough in growing a business you know you think about what companies do some really great companies out there right now spend millions of dollars a year on a very logical sound training program that says okay if you will do this a b c d and e do it the way we're teaching you to do it you're going to be successful i know in the insurance industry we had that kind of training but what happens is the turnover sometimes in those industries can just be so astronomical. I, I literally have seen sales teams that would have eighty percent turnover, and uh, that's it's a you know commission only position. You're going to expect okay, people really have to go to work, or they're not going to make it. But what happens is when how I'm coaching people how one of those areas of improvement is most of us tend to especially when we're an entrepreneur or I would think it's very. Prevalent in what you do, because every attorney that I know is one of the they're very logical people. They know how to make things happen. They have dealt with issues in the law that are so intricate. They have to be extremely logical to make all of that pull together. And so they've got that side met. But that component in and of itself isn't enough because all decisions aren't made with just logic. So all the logic in the world is not going to make someone say, hey, I want to do business with you. What it's going to do is say, you'd be really good at this, but I don't know if I want to do business with you. And on the other side of it you'll get some people who really aren't great at the logical component of their business whether it's sales or entrepreneurial or whatever and so they're not good at that but they're really good at connecting with people emotionally those people if they don't put it together they're going to have people say man i really like you i don't think i want to do business with you though because i don't think you can handle this Mm -hmm. and so it's that combination and so when i see people who Really are leaning one to the other. I, uh, how I do it is I teach them the science, and then I take them through some some steps about how to identify ways inside their specific business model where we can create that extra positive emotional connection, and how we can put that with a logic. And what what I purposely try to do is I stack the deck. I, you know, I teach salespeople, I teach businesses. I, I, you and I were talking about a couple of things earlier. Yeah, I teach people, even in the a client attraction process. That what you want to do is you want to create some positive emotional context with them before you ever ask for that first meeting, Uh, whether it's something you're sending them out, that might be an article that you know, okay, that business is going to need this. I still have an insurance component behind the scenes that I help some people to on a very selective basis. And I sent out a blast email to a group of clients that are small business owners last week. And it just said it was about something that affected them. I didn't ask for anything. And and a lot of them aren't my clients, but I knew that this issue would be important to them. So I sent it to them and I said, Hey, I plan on giving you a call sometime over the next 30, 60 days, whatever it is, because it's not a, it's not a fast decision that has to be made, yep. but that process, I won't then have three or four touches from me that all something that's valuable in that I don't need anything back on. But then when we have that initial time that I would like to reach out to them and then I can give them a little call. Say, hey, I'd like to invite you to, to spend about fifteen minutes with me on a, on a no obligation consult, just to have a quick preliminary look to see what I do would be something that'd be valuable in your situation. And because I, I love that, that context, so much. It, it, it makes them, it makes it easier for them to say yes to the next step.
0: And that's that's so much more thoughtful. And uh, again, I'm sure we'll talk more about. Bob Berg later, but that's such more in, li- in alignment with that go-giver concept yeah. than just uh, here's a valuable video or blog post or whatever. If you want to learn more about a call with us.
1: Right. Yep. Um, and there's nothing wrong with call to actions. I know uh, sure. online businesses, you know, that's a context that you, you, if you don't have a call to action of some sort and you don't have a process where you're reaching out, right. you're not going to get a client out of it. What I like to teach. Even if it's in an online presence, is it a process where you give them something that's so valuable, you create a context in, in this, that the relationship that develops between the two of you becomes it becomes a key factor actually in their decision to do business with you. Yeah. And it starts before you know them. If you do it, like one of the things that I do, I have an online sales course called Survival Skills for Commission Sales People and Insurance. Probably don't have one single attorney who needs to take that course, but <laughs> but it's still, it, it, it's a good sales course. But what yeah. I do, even in that context, is I have a free, free video training series that I, even if they go to my page about that class, it says, don't sign up for this yet. Take this free series, put it to use, and then it'll kind of let you know if it's something you'd want to do. And then in that, my goal in that free series is to give them enough, really good quality content that if they go out and apply it, They'll make more money from the sales they'll generate than what I would ask for the course fee so that it's a win. everybody wins. That's
0: that's great. and we'll 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 circle back to Bob. We'll circle back as well to this this free coaching program that you have and and share right. the link out with everybody in the comments and the show notes and things. But I also want to make sure that before we wrap up this conversation that we talk about your first book, The Unexpected Tour Guide which in, in very Bob Berg fashion, you chose to make more of a parable than just a how-to business book. Tell us more about that. Oh,
1: this was, this was a labor of love for me. And, and it, was, uh, it was actually my first book. Our friend Bob was actually the first person to read it and give me feedback. And he, he's very generous and kind with everyone. And he makes all of us feel like we're the most valuable person in his yeah. life. That's just the way he is. But uh, the book is actually a sales fable. And it doesn't have to, if you're not in sales, you'll still like the book. I've had people who have absolutely no business um, acumen, no entrepreneurial adventures, no salespeople. And they still tell me they love the book. So when that happens, I know I've done something here that's different, but it's about a young salesman. He, a guy named Jim Ferris, and he's struggling in in his career. He's trying to figure it out, but he's really, he's a good guy. He's just not making it work. And then he meets a homeless man and the relationship that develops between the two of them, it totally changes the direction of his career. Uh, it, and what I do is I, I write a story that you'd want to read the story anyway, even if you weren't learning anything. And then I teach sales lessons and and business growth lessons inside that context. Uh, I got so tickled the other day. We, we, you and I have a common friend, uh, Harjeet, that's part of our GoGiver Success Alliance group. And she had, uh, gotten her copy of the book and she had read it and she was posting a great review online. I think it was on LinkedIn, but how she did it, she actually filmed herself thumbing through the pages. So it was a really fast video showing her thumbing through the pages. But I, if she did that, I could see where she had highlighted things. And I thought, Oh, that just, that makes my day right there because she really did get a lot out of it. But Man. I got the idea basically from, my office in Houston used to be at the intersection of Interstate 45 and Greens Road. And uh, most of your audience won't necessarily know where that is, but it's, it's an area of town that's some great office space, but it's also kind of an area where homeless people would, would, congregate. And there was one particular homeless guy that just got my attention. He was just, he just got my attention. So I would always do something when I, uh, my, my, my rule, and I don't mean, I don't mean to get, Real religious on this but my rule with god on this is if the light turns red and i'm there i'm going to give him some money if it if it's not somebody that needs the money just please make that light be green and get me on through and sometimes i get a lot of green lights (laughs) but i I would always do something for this guy every now and then i would do something bigger than normal and 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 i'd hear him as i'd pass by he'd go oh thank you (laughs) and so it it just got into my heart and and so I, i worked him into the story I worked some real life characters that I'd had in my life. Someone was asking me on another show I did, Joey. They said, what are your favorite lessons that you teach in there? Yeah. As I think about that, there are two lessons that I would say if someone said that. Number one is a business lesson. And there's a scene that I wrote into the story, but actually really happened to me in real life. I just kind of changed up some names. But uh, after reading Bob's book, Endless Referrals, I In he's talking about providing value, being a connector and providing value to people before you ever try to do your business. And uh, so after reading Endless Referrals, I thought, well, I can't really, I don't do a lot of networking groups, so I can't really make it work there, but I can make it work in another way. So I called one of my clients. It was in Dallas, Texas. A guy had a mortgage company. Uh, he was a good client of mine. So I said, hey, I'd like to get about 20 minutes with you to pick your brain on something. Can I swing by? Uh, and he said, sure, we set a time for me to come by. So I got in there and, and I said, man, first thing I want to do is I want to thank you. He said, for what? <laughs> and we laughed a little bit. I said, you're my client. You do business with me. Your employees are involved with what we do. I make a living from doing that. And I actually feed my family and do all the things there that mean so much to me in the world. You're part of that. I want to thank you for that. And he said, well, you're welcome. You know, it was a, big, it was a good conversation. And he said, and then I said, but I want to go one step further. I want to do the same for you he said what do you mean and i said well I'm, I'm around the dallas fort worth area on a regular basis i have a lot of existing clients right now i have meet potential clients every day let me ask you this what question do i need to be asking these people that i meet to know if they would be a good referral for me to send your way now, joy i'm not kidding the guy he sat back on he says i'm going to answer your question he took off his glasses and he said, I got to tell you something first. And I said, what? And he said, I've been in business at 30 something years. I don't remember the exact amount. I've been in business 30 years. I've had a ton of salespeople ask me for referrals. You're the first person ever to ask me how you could refer business to me. He said, thank you. I said, my pleasure. So we talked about some things. He told me what questions to ask. When we got through when we, we, we kind of got then, I said, I said, Well, okay, hang on just a second. And I pulled out my cell phone, which they were much bigger than they are now. <laughs> and I made a phone call because I had a couple of clients I thought might be a good fit in his case. And um, I called one of them and I said, uh, hey, I've got wanted to call you about something. I've got a client, and I told him the guy's name and the mortgage company is with. And I said, he's doing some kind of creative things with different companies in the area. I think the two of you should meet. I think it would be a good combination there. And I'd like to give him your name and number and have him contact you. Would that be okay? And he said, sure. And I said, well, understand. I know him. I like him and I trust him. You don't have to worry about any of that. He's a good guy. And he said, yeah, I'll give him my information. I hung up my phone. I gave him the guy's information. And I'd sit there right in front of him when I did it. Can you imagine the fusion point that happens when you do that for one of your clients? Oh, man, it's huge. And you you, you want to make sure that you... Get permission from the client before you give their name as a referral. But when you can sit there right there and show, hey, I've got a real context here. I really do want to refer business to you. Well, long story short, the relationship grows out of that. In, in this case, we were even talking about doing lunches for his clients and my clients to come in. Anyway, it's just a good way to grow. It feels good for both of you. And it's it's just a the context. There. So that's the best business lesson I learned. I also try to teach a lot of personal lessons in, in my writings. And, and the best yeah. personal lesson I learned If I can get through it without crying, I'll tell you. (laughs) There's a, uh, my very first sales manager, I actually have degrees to teach and I had planned on being a teacher. And there were no teaching jobs open where I needed to finish up. My wife needed to finish up her degree. So I ended up getting a job in sales. And I was, then I was making more money in sales than I would make teaching. So I just continued that path. But my very first sales manager was a gentleman named Jack Amberson. And he, uh, he was just a good, as we used to say back in the Southeast. Now I was in the state of Alabama for this job. He was just a good old boy. He's a nice guy, hardworking, uh, just a good, good person Had had arms that were muscular, but not because he was working out. He was always helping his father on their farm. That's just who he was, but he was my first sales manager. I think I only worked for him about two years and our careers went different ways, but I learned the best thing I ever learned in a personal context from him because we were, to interview for the job. I was getting my master's degree in music composition out of here in Texas. The job was in Alabama. And Jack said for the job interview, just come spend a week with me on spring break. He said, I'll take you with me. You'll know if you want to do the job. I'll know if you'll be a good fit for us. he said, just come stay with me. And he said, since you're traveling, you can stay at my house. So I did. So I stayed at his, (laughs) I stayed at his house. I ate with his family. Joey, every morning, uh, We'd we'd be around the breakfast table having coffee, and every morning he would get in there. His children were, I think his son was in the first grade. His daughter was younger than that. They'd run in there, hey, daddy, and they'd give him a big hug. And he got them up in his lap, and he said something, and and it changed my direction. He said to his kids, he gave him a big hug and a big kiss, and he said, guess what? He said, I love you so much. I'm so glad that God picked me to be your daddy. And I remember sitting back going, I have never heard that. And and don't misunderstand. I know my parents loved me. They fed me, they clothed me. They, they, you know, that's not that, but they were never expressive about that verbally or even physically. Yeah. And um, yeah, I watched that and I said, that's how I'm going to change. That's how I'm going to raise my children. And so, I went forward with a different mindset. And so my children, both of my daughters grew up with me and their mom saying, I love you. I'm so glad that God picked me to be your daddy. And I oh. remember them saying back, I'm so glad God picked me to be your daughter, that kind of stuff. Mm. But I have now, Joy, they're both mothers of them. So they're, they're both mothers. And I have watched both of them with their children quiet, quietly to their children telling them, I love you so much. I'm so glad God picked me to be your mommy my grandchildren's life is better because of working for just a really great guy for a couple years and learning that. So anyway, those are the kind of lessons I like to work into my stories. I teach a lot of business stuff, but boy, that's
0: way more important to me than any business I've ever had. Wow. Jeff, I was actually just talking to a a lawyer friend of mine about how we're both feeling a little burnt out on purely business books. So I'm I'm grateful for a lot of things right now that that you're saying. I'm also just very grateful that you're filling that gap of uh, very powerful business books that are are way more than just business books. So thank you.
1: Uh, My pleasure. Thank you for even talking about it today. So
0: I have to ask, just because you live a very rich life, and I think people can tell that when they talk to you, they learn about your past, what you're still doing now, even in retirement, as you say, when you look back on everything, what are you most proud of?
1: If I look back on everything, the things I'm most proud of are my daughters and my family. I'm the most imperfect man you'll ever meet, but I'm also a person of great faith. And I know that everything that happens to me is because it's supposed to. That's the way I feel about it anyway. And my daughters are the things I'm the most proud of. And I always remind myself that I want to live a life that that someday, if I'm not here anymore, which is going to happen to all of us, that they say, well, I'm really proud of my dad. That's who he was. In a business context, uh, it's probably my, uh, my career with that Fortune 500 insurance company that I was with because I did well with it, but it was wonderful to me. Even though I haven't been doing that for eight years, I built a good life from that. And so I'm, I'm very proud that that happened, but I'm more proud about the connections I made with the people. I'm I'm actually, truthfully, more proud about the fact that someone that I, hasn't worked with me or for me, I, however context you want to say it, in eight years, posted that they really loved how I did things and they really missed me. And then those kind of things really, I don't necessarily miss the work in that
0: industry, but I miss the people. Uh, you know, and that makes me feel compelled to say this, too. One thing that I'm starting to hear more, especially among the business owners right now who are working hard to grow their business, mm-hmm. there is this sense that I'm uncovering of, you know, as masterminds and business coaches and things are getting more popular, there's this sense of I am willing to find and work with people who uh, whose values don't really align with mine if they can get me to this next level almost as if there's this scarcity of people who can really help you. And so if you find people that can help you move forward with them, even if you don't particularly like them. And I think you're such a good example against that idea and mindset. Right. And I'm just, I'm curious to know your thoughts and the language that you would put to it. In my opinion And
1: anything that I say, it's in the context of the life I've lived and it's in the context of how I teach sales and all of that. So anyone even listening to your broadcast needs to think about it and adapt it for their business model and for their world. But as far as that goes, my take on that is you, I would have to be extremely careful, even in a business context, thinking I needed to grow my business about working with someone whose values didn't line up with mine. And that, I mean, we have to both be perfect because you're never going right. to have that. It. It's like a marriage. You're not going to have that. The reason is, is it creates a dichotomy of spirit. You can't be two things at one time, really, in my opinion, you're going to be who you are. And if someone's way of doing business or their values don't line up with that, it's going to create a, a, what I call the opposite of a fusion point. It's going to create a collision point inside of you. It is a negative emotional context that creates a somatic marker that makes you struggle to even continue to do it. You won't be able to consistently grow and build your business when you're acting in a contradiction to your own values. And uh, and I would never judge anybody. I I don't have the right to judge anybody on anything. But I have seen, seen sales trainers, and I look at some of their comments that they promote. And they're so opposite of what I would do. I know that in in my situation, I wouldn't be compatible with that. So I wouldn't study there. I wouldn't want to necessarily work with that. I haven't met them. But if I look at the context of some of that, I, I just think that's probably not for me. What's the right way to say this in the context of the industry? that everyone's going to be like, your audience is going, I'm assuming is primarily attorneys. Cause I know how wonderful you are at that particular career, because you your spirit, even inside of our, our group that we know your spirit is obviously there. It's a good thing. If somebody has your spirit, your great context and you try to work with someone who's saying, well, you need to do this, 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 and this, and you know, I don't think that's fair to my client, or I don't think that's the right way to do it. It's like when uh, you'll, you'll have such a, an emotional context that's negative, trying to match with that logic and the longevity of that connection is going to make it where it doesn't want to last
0: in my opinion. I think that's, that's very well said and very eloquently said, I will toot Jeff's horn in a way that he won't for himself right now. And just say that if you have spent any part of your past working on sales, working on the growth of your business, and and you've been instructed to do things that just feel out of alignment with things, if it just feels like, uh, this isn't really how I would do business, but so and so is telling me to, so I'll do it. I, I really encourage you to check out what Jeff has built because I think this video shows you just how how much of a giver Jeff is, how like high of morals and ethics he is. And and I know it can sometimes feel like, especially when it comes to sales in business, it's where it can feel like you start sacrificing some of those values that you have as a human and as a business owner. So this is just a, a really great option that I know is very much needed in the space. So we'll we'll have links and notes to things, but you can go to jeffcwest.com/ufc. For his free coaching program, and what does that stand for again, Jeff?
1: It stands for Ultimate Free Coaching. But the picture that I've got on there has got a girl who's got a she's kicking out. She could you, I wouldn't want to fight her. I'm just going to say (laughs) that. Nice, (laughs) but I I love that. It's a it's a free coaching uh, series that I put people through. It's emails that go out once a week, and it's got uh, some other collateral there, especially uh, helpful in understanding how to grow fusion points and all that. My background and context is, is I'm primarily talking to a sales audience, but I also work uh, with entrepreneurs who they still have their, their every small business owner really isn't sales. And so yeah, you yes. have to make this context go. And so I, I can work with people like that as well. And something you said, I'll, I'll piggyback on it just a little bit. There's a lot of sales training where people it's pushy. Yeah. And the truth is, That creates so much negative inside a potential prospect. It may make them have some sort of negative connotation or some fear factor where it says, I got to jump on this really quickly. Uh, But the other side of that is it's it's, it's a difficult situation to make the relationship grow long term. You don't want a customer for now. You want a customer that anytime they've got any legal situation at all, they're your customer for life. They say, I know Joey will take care of me. And and you built that. And you don't do that if it's a pushy situation. It doesn't mean you can't have a marketing system that sometimes draws out things that your clients need to know that they may have to deal with it that aren't necessarily pleasant. But the context that it's drawn out in is you've provided enough positive connection already with them that when that situation is there, the positive context is I can help you through this. I can help you come out the other end of this with a life that's going to work for you. I can... I can guide you through the process so that that negative situation is not going to impact you so much uh, and it's not going to be fun to get through. I don't you, know, d- you happen to deal with a, an area of law that that uh, is not I can't see a lot of negative side to it other than some business context or someone doesn't protect their trademark, obviously, but you're not dealing with divorce. You're not dealing with right. a lot of things. So you have the opportunity in your model anyway. But a lot of people that are attorneys are dealing with divorce they're dealing with people getting sued and all this. The positive context is I can get you through this. We're going to be all right on the other end, or I can minimize the impact it's going to have on your life. I know for me personally, I couldn't teach a negative. I couldn't teach something or work with someone that, that the values were inconsistent with my own. If I knew that ahead of time and if, or if it came out in the relationship, there's, there's just better ways to go. And, And as, as our friend Bob will tell people, don't let yourself get faked into a false decision, a false dichotomy. It's never an either or decision. It's not either I've worked with someone who says, I got to do this in, in context of values that I don't really like the way that's sounding versus I got to just be so touchy feely. Everybody loves me, but nobody does business with me. It's not like that. There's that, It's a false dichotomy to think it has to be that way. There's a way to do almost anything multiple ways. And so what you do is you find that way that builds the world around you that you want. Uh, yeah. That's that's the whole idea of what would make all of us happy as entrepreneurs, as business people, as family members. Uh,
0: you, that's what you're looking for. So, That's great, Jeff. Again, and, So many golden nuggets that you've dropped today. Thank you so much. We could talk for hours, and I'll have to have you back once this new (coughs) book is done and published, Jeff. But thanks again to everybody who watched this live, the replay, who listened to the podcast. Uh, We'll make sure that we have links for that free, uh, ultimate free coaching.
1: Yeah, ultimate free coaching, jeffcwest.com slash UFC. Awesome. We'll 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 have links for that
0: that and we'll have links for his first book, The Unexpected Tour Guide, the non-business business business book for everyone out there. Again, thank you, Jeff, so much for your time and everyone make it a great week.
1: My pleasure, Joey. Thank you.
0: All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week.